recording, not just that we can hear you. Oh, I see. Okay. So the mic has to pick you up. No, no, please. Can you hear me now? We can hear you now. Good. Good. <laughs> Thanks, Johnny May. Somebody had to do it. Do you expect anybody else? I'm sure we're brothers in a past life somewhere. No idea. Of course. Brothers in this present life. Your birthday's one day before actually, actually, Your birthday's one day before mine. This is the creepy part. You may have been married. Or I could have been my own grandfather. <laughs> which is my great great grandfather. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Samuel, this stand by. Yeah, that translates right. So. <laughs> <Look>. <laughs> so. Who seems to be reincarnated as a as the same gender? <laughs> At least that's what I'm going to believe. But there's yeah, but you know, there's no proof of it. So. Okay, let's get started, shall we, man? Okay, we have. Uh, we got eight here. We have Colby, and I trust his dad. We have one. Nice shirt. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yes, eight here. Colby's there. Greg Upham will be there when he finishes his meeting. So Colby's nine. His dad, I trust, is watching Stop that. Be ten, <laughs> and uh, Greg Upham will make eleven. I suspect we'll get Greg Barto shortly. And, uh, <coughs> and that's the game. what do you know about Scott? Uh, he was a question mark. He was still working when I left. Okay. So we're uh, we're good there. Um, how about Brock? Anybody know? Uh, no. Uh, Rick Spur Rick Spurlock. Rick Hergen is going to the second night of uh, Passover. He's just back <laughs> six months. Brad. Yeah. Is it Brad? Brad. Um, yes. From uh, Brad, yes. from What's that Olive called? Branch. Yes. It's uh, Brad. I know you're talking about. Ah! He's very good. He is very good. He's very good. So second night of that. <laughs> Bless you, Adonair, God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and has commanded us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Please, Adonair, God, sweeten the words of your Torah in our mouth and in the mouth of your people, the family of Israel. May we and our offspring and the offspring of your people, the house of Israel, all of us, know your name and study your Torah for its own sake. Blessed you, Adonai, who teaches Torah to his people, Israel. Blessed you, Adonair, God, King of the universe, who selected us from all the peoples and gave us his Torah. Blessed you, Adonai, giver of the Torah. Amen. My son is in uh, Washington State at Tim Hague's family conference. Uh, and as I understand it, without internet, which is abominable to even think of. But uh, <laughs> he won't survive. He Brad Scott. Brad Scott, that's exactly right. Great you that. Good. Great Scott. Great yes, that's Scott. exactly right. All right, so is that my son-in-law? It is. It is indeed an affront suit for you. All right, Samuel, we're going to begin since Gregory has arrived. Oh, sick. I'm sick, too. Oh, great. It's all right. I'm sick, too. Yes, let me lick my arm. We can do the elbow bump. All right, so here before me, do you want to pass these out now or as they walk out the door? Um, you know, they, they can just take them home. That's fine. Good idea. Unless somebody wants to have one to follow.
we run the risk of skipping ahead as you go through it. We want it to worse, be... Us. Worse than that, it will take until, well, 8.15 to... Um, pass these out. Pass these out. <laughs> so I have put in a... Yeah, I put in a, a new toner cartridge and a new ream of paper, uh, <laughs> both, both of which need to be replaced again. Um, so <laughs> we're on Dosh, or is it Dosh or Dosh? It's Dosh. Dosh, part one, Dosh, part two, Dosh, part three, all of which will be tonight. Yes. Zore, yep. which we hope will be tonight, yes. and Maraked which will only be... <laughs> Independent study. <laughs> if my son-in-law, you know, who is under the weather, begins to snore, in which case we'll, we'll pass on that. All right, so you go as fast or as slow as you want, and uh, we'll try and remember that uh, it's monoral, right? So if we talk, you can't? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you talk at the same time as me? Yes. All right, talk right now. I'm talking right, right now. No, you're not. Okay, that sounded pretty good. All right. Not bad. Yeah. All right. Yeah. My friend Samuel. So feel free to uh, ask questions, interrupt. It. That's fine. Um, well, we're talking about dosha. I'm going to try to go through this one because this one's uh, pretty in depth. There's three sections to it. I'm going to try to get through it. Uh, quickly because I know we have a lot of ground to cover. Um, as we know, the, the, each of the Malachot, uh, actually it's from the Mishkan, but the, the 11 of them uh, come from activities to uh, for the Sidro, uh, the Pat it's called, which is the uh, order of making the bread for the Lechem uh, Kapanim, which is... Uh, the bread of the presence. And uh, I love it when I get a word like that, hapanim, because in Spanish the word for bread is pan. pan. So you gotta wonder if that came from that. You gotta throw in that plug for Spanish. Don't tell my mother. Um, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, so we know that the one of the first steps beyond the, the plowing and everything that's done, and once you have your wheat, is one of the first steps in processing the wheat is to thresh it. And literally what you're doing is you're separating the edible part from the chaff, which is the inedible part. So that's your ab melacha, that's your, your major part. And, you know, most of us don't, uh, most of us are not wheat first, so we don't, uh, we don't run the risk, most of us, that we're going to be uh, threshing uh, wheat to, to, to try to remove it from its chaff. Does anybody, anybody thresh this one? Nobody thresh uh, I actually because I was at a farm. But. One, have a one thresher this week, but only because yeah. he was visiting his dad's farm. Okay. So we're not well, then, then you would have seen this application. That would be uh, not permissible on, on the Shabbat. Um, on Sunday. So what? <laughs> <laughs> what so actually, what we do is we're Can I see you. I have a voice. I think I'm behind Greg's head. Can you right. see? I'm behind the beer. If you're not, I'll 
Can you yeah. see me on the couch? Can you yeah, see me? Yeah, you can always just uh, speak up to and say, hey, somebody has a question or whatever. All right. But, so, so, the, uh, so we're talking about this activity, uh, which uh, threshing to separate the, the growing item from its natural peel or, or a shell, for example, a husk. And so that, that's the activity we're talking about when we're saying uh, threshing here. Now, this, this, this activity was something that normally was done by either having people stamp uh, on the wheat with their feet, or they actually would have a uh, animal in there on the threshing floor that would uh, be pulling a person that is standing on a platform to give it weight. And it would be uh, sliding over the, the wheat that was on the floor and separating it by mechanical means that way. Now, um, today, we mainly use our hands in doing kind of work that's covered in, in dosh. So when we use our hands, uh, we're considered to be violating what's called, you know, the toda of dosh, which is called mephetic, mephetic, sorry, mephetic, which, you know, literally means to extract the food from the place where it was embedded. So it's unloading or taking it apart from the food. And we'll talk about some examples of that. But dosh uh, applies only to the items that grow from the ground. So the sages determined that this includes not only things like, you know, vegetables and fruits, but, you know, we were made from dust, right? So they're, they're saying that uh, people and animals, since not only we depend on growing things to survive, but we came from the dust. So it includes activities uh, such as milking a cow and nursing her baby or but these activities and we'll be talking about that so we uh, we're going to divide this into dosh into peeling fruits and similar items uh, number two extracting liquids and number three removing absorbed liquids and that this one this one here that we're doing just talking about the fruits and similar items in the next two we'll talk about liquids and, and absorbing uh, removing absorbed liquids so you Peeling the fruit and things like that. Now, uh, some of the examples, remember when we're talking about fruit, well, just about anything that grows from a seed is called fruit. Tomatoes are fruit, you know, squashes are fruit. They're all, for the purposes of this, called fruit. They're fruits of the ground. So corn is fruit. You know, it's, uh, you're removing, uh, when you remove the, the, the husk from the corn, Removing the stringy, inedible layers that cover the kernel, so that would be dosh. Uh, removing peas from an inedible pot. So the, the the key there is you're removing something that you're going to use that's useful to eat from something that's unusable. Got it. Any questions there so far? No, good. Good. Okay. good. Now here's some other examples of how they would apply uh, nuts. Um, some nuts have an outer shell. You think about any of you seen uh, an almond, how an almond grows on a tree. There's uh, an almond that actually has, straight off the tree, has a green outer shell. And then it has that brittle brown shell 
during Thanksgiving, you know, almonds during Thanksgiving. And uh, removing that outer shell would be prohibited, that outer green shell. But removing the, the beige or brown colored shell that you normally see on an almond, that, that would be permitted. Uh, and, and I'll talk about the reason for that in a minute. But garlic is, is another one. It has a thick outer peel and a thin inner peel. So we're not allowed to remove the, the thick outer peel on Shabbat. But if you, so if you wanted to use garlic or nuts during Shabbat, you should remove those before the thin outer peel on, on the garlic you, you can remove during Shabbat. And another example would be a honeycomb. Now, not too many of us eat honey from a honeycomb. We buy either processed or unprocessed honey in a jar or bucket or whatever. Like, we buy it in a bucket, you know, because we use so much of it for making challah and everything. But um, that you would, removing it from the honeycomb would not be allowed. That would be extracting it from its inedible source. Now, but let, let's talk about some other fruits. What about bananas and oranges and apples. Those are permissible during Shabbat, uh, surprisingly, because, uh, and the reason for this, there's a couple of reasons. Uh, so, some say it's because uh, it doesn't apply to thin peels that are closely attached to the fruit. So it's, it's, it's essentially part of the garlic and the, uh, the almond that has the, the, the outer peel already, the outer shell already from you can remove the other shell closely uh, attached shell from it. That makes sense. Now, but others say, and, and you won't see this in your ha- in your handout, but I've been studying with Habad also, Habad.com uh, uh, or whatever, and the a fruit that's been uh, transported and delivered to you, um, and then you take the peeling off like a banana or an orange or an apple, um, it was delivered to you that way to preserve the fruit. It wasn't that you, you didn't plan to eat the, you know, you, you plan to extract it for the use of it later on. It, it's that it had, it, it's almost like uh, the same application as uh, that you can open up a, a box of crackers on Shabbat because you're going, you're opening it to eat mm. the crackers that are in, inside, fruit, to eat the fruit that's inside. So that would be permissible to peel a banana, an orange, an apple, to eat it right then. What would not be permissible is to peel a bunch of bananas to prepare it's them. Did someone say something? <laughs> <laughs> the, com- the computer said it was 7.30. We don't know why. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> that must have sounded weird. So repeat that. You said it's not okay if to peel a bunch of bananas. Why? To make a salad because you can't, you're not going to eat it right away. That's the right. same thing we talked about. It's not personal to eat it right then. You're 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 preparing something. You know, you're 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 uh, yeah. You're not. It's not just to eat it right there. Um, so dosh also applies to um, well. It doesn't apply to to these peelings that you're taking off because you know you're going you're ready to eat it right then. So that's that's the opinion. Um, now, dosh also applies to anything that grows from the ground. So it, it can include non-food plants, like uh, think about cotton or flax. Uh, does anybody know what flax is used to make? Linen. 
So that, that's another 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 um, Extracting liquid. Uh, let's talk about that. Um, uh, when you use liquid, and we'll go into a little bit more in depth in the next one, but I'll just touch on it now. There's two main applications that we would. One of them we, we could be concerned about now. Some of us. to your first part about the separation with food um, yes. could that be more of the issue at hand with the, uh, the famous passage in Mark 7 where the Pharisees are following Yeshua and his Talmudim around and um, you know in the past we've said that okay they were harvesting on Shabbat but with heads of grain you know you have to remove that from the chaff you know the protective shell and perhaps that might be more of a more related to dosh. Well, we we, yeah. learned, we learned last week that because they're eating it right away, and they're not truly harvesting. Right, they're just taking a little bit. Right, right. But how would that apply it's here? Because if they're removing food. the shell, that would be like removing the shell. But you can. But there's there are many overwhelming amounts of. Um, leniencies provided for food because food is the major um, blessing for the Sabbath. So anything you're doing for food is almost okay, including grinding, which we'll talk about next week. Yeah. Yeah, they probably were, uh, you know, accusing them of violating several uh, of the Melchizedek. Sure. Um, yeah, that's probably true. But like you say, if they were going to eat it, it was for eating right then. Um, there, there probably were leniencies for that, and uh, as as Yeshua mentioned. Uh, now we want to move from uh, 
cows. You know, not most of us that I know don't have. Does anybody have cows in their property? Actually, Bill Lensmeyer, who watches in Wisconsin, has is establishing a goat dairy farm, and he does have cows. Okay. Well, then this will apply to him. Um, of course, he's not listening to you right now, Samuel, because he's out milking the cows. <laughs> Very good. Well, one of, how many of you know uh, what the reasons are for milking a cow? Is, is collecting it to drink it the only reason that a cow needs to be milked? No, it's the leading pain. Exactly. So, so you could say, well, I'm not going to milk the cow on Shabbat because we don't we don't need to be doing that. We don't need to collect milk, but but we we're also commanded to take care of the animals and the animals. You know, will be in pain. So um, it is permitted to milk the cow for that purpose. But again, just like the nursing mother, it would need to be um, milked to waste. You know, just to the ground, not collected for 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 our benefit to use it on on Shabbat. Mm. Um, the the exception would be that uh, you can you would be able to connect uh, the, the cow to electronic milking machine um, that's on a timer uh, that goes on and off automatically and uh, using that method it is permitted to keep the milk that's obtained um, I have a personal comment about that because I think that and this is just me uh, I think that if you're going to um, do that to a cow uh, you're not going to that, that cow for 25 hours at least is going to not be able to move. It's going to have to be in a stall, not moving. <laughs> it's, it's kind of, you, you have to weigh the two. I mean, are you going to uh, keep that cow, uh, you know, not be able to move? Uh, utterly tied hours? up. Sure. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. Oh. <laughs> utterly wrong. Utterly wrong. Yeah. How I'm milking that. So, oh. yeah, you have to weigh the two out. Let's move on. But if you don't, if you don't do that, Samuel, you have to go out there and milk the cow anyway, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just going to be yeah. too painful. It's like us not going to the bathroom all day.
It does. Um, so we can talk about what, uh, how this applies to some of the things that she's doing. She's going to have to be aware of the laws of dosh uh, before she prepares a meal, uh, because this is going to involve the process of removing juice from the fruit, um, and um, and that's similar to removing an, ined- an edible item from an inedible item. Uh, so when a person wants only the juice, the fruit is for that person on purpose uh, 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 inedible at that moment. So a uh, person is not permitted to squeeze juice out of a fruit on Shabbat. You can't take and you know, make lemonade or something and squeeze juice from a, a fruit uh, to leave the, the, just the lemon. Uh, question? So, so go back now. So are you, the olive oil and the wine is not allowed? Not permitted, yeah. Especially especially those two. Those are biggies. Yeah. All right. So the, the next set was uh, weird fruits? Berries what? and pomegranates. Yeah, berries and pomegranates. Those are not allowed either? like an orange right. or a grapefruit, those you would not because it's an ordinary thing. But if it were right. something that unordinary, that like a watermelon, then that's yeah. what would be allowed. Yeah. Melons are 
speak for yourself. <laughs> Raisin juice. <laughs> you know, you, you, you see this theme throughout the Melchota, you know, if, you, if there's a way to do something in a way that you normally wouldn't do it, then it'll, it'll be yeah. permitted, you know. You can't apply that to everything, but, you know. So, what did salad or even you're eating them fresh it's and you you know you bite into it it's pre-prepared or eating you cut it with count. your fork because maybe it's too big to pop in your mouth i mean does that apply here too the eating doesn't count i heard someone say the the, the key word there eating pre-prepared pre-prepared you're eating, eating it doesn't and count. you prepared it you prepared it So, so the, the olives with the little pimento inside are really the way to go for Shabbat. Pimento, uh, you should be able to eat that. Um, it, it, uh, it, again, you know, you're eating something. Something you're eating, you're not preparing a meal. Right. So, so instead of taking the whole olives, cutting them in half, pulling out the pit. Buy the olives with the pimento inside. Just be a man and eat them with the pit. <laughs> eat them with the pit, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, when it, when it comes to fruits other than grapes or olives, any liquid that seeps out on its own would be usable. So the, you can see how important those two 
things are, they're so they're so tied to the Mishkan that they you know they take extra care of those. But any other any other fruit that, that you know that the liquid seeps out, you, you could use that. You know, um, so long as the the fruit that's in question was prepared for eating, not for juicing. That, that was the key. Got it. And it was prepared for eating. You're not juicing. In other words, you, uh, was it Josh that asked the question about yes. eating olives in it? Yeah, you're not trying to juice them with your teeth. You know, you're, you're, just, you're just eating. You haven't watched Joshua. You know. Also, it's permitted to squeeze juice uh, from the fruit directly into your mouth. Uh-huh. Into your mouth. Uh, 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 Put a hole in an orange. Excuse me. Into your mouth. Yeah. So yeah, you can. In in, in uh, I've seen in uh, some cultures where, where they'll they'll actually make a, a hole in an orange and suck suck the juice out of it. Yeah. Like a spider. Yeah. So that that's permitted for oranges. Uh, uh, it, it it would be permitted. Uh, for an apple too, but if you can do that with an apple, you can do it with an apple. <laughs> <laughs> Watch this. <laughs> Alexander Corellin could do it. I actually, I actually watched a missionary kid. He, is, uh, he came back from the bush, and he was over here. We were about to go to the pistol range, and he grabbed an orange out of the fridge and just started rolling it back and forth in his hand. And kind of kneading it, and then all of a sudden, he ripped the top off of it like the top of a soda can, threw that piece of the skin in the sink, and he tipped his head up and took every drop of liquid out of there. He tore the empty carcass open, <laughs> and he, he pulled out all the flesh, and it was completely dry. He put that in his mouth, had this empty orange peel, and just tossed it into the can. That's and so cool. Every guy, yeah, every guy here is going. <laughs> that's not how you eat oranges. That's not how you eat an orange, right? And he's like, that's how we eat oranges. No one way. And he goes, uses. and I don't have to clean my hands. <laughs> well, wow. According according to this halakha, it seems like he would have been okay to do that on Shabbat. Wow. No and that's because it's an orange, still not. Stunned. Well, yeah, you, would, you would not be permitted to do this with an olive or a grape. Um, or being extremely cool. Again, uh, I, I, I can't imagine too many people that are going to sit there trying to suck juice out of a grape. You know, but. Or an olive. That's really, I mean, you've got to be Italian to try that. Yeah. If the cow's on the milking machine, what else are you going to do? You've got nothing to do, right? <laughs> I want to get this for my skin. Yeah. Okay. All right. We're good. Thank you, Samuel. Squeezing, uh, squeezing uh, onto a solid. Now, here's where the salmon comes in. Now, let's say that uh, one of Melissa's guests, let's say you're a guest at Melissa's house, and you want to squeeze some lemon juice onto your fish for flavor. Normally, that would be forbidden, wouldn't it? Uh, According to what we've been studying, right? Squeezing the juice out. Yeah, you can't do that. Yeah, onto the, yeah. Now, the exception for this is for squeezing juice onto a solid food. So, in this situation, the 
juice never attains like an independent status as juice. You're just transferring the one food, the lemon, to another food, the fish, and, it, and it's that makes it, sense. and it's not um, it's not pro- it is not prohibited to take one food, the juice, out of another, the lemon. You can't do that, but you can't squeeze it onto the fish. So, in order to uh, you know, for this to be permitted, the juice needs to either improve the taste of the food or become mostly absorbed into the food. So in that case, the halakha says, yeah, you can squeeze some. Now, if you're, 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 uh, if you're now here, here's the thing, it, it's forbidden to squeeze juice from fruit directly into another liquid. So now we're gonna move away from the the the, uh, the, the fish that we were talking about, the salmon. And we're saying we're going to get into tea because I know a lot of a lot of people like to drink tea, and we like to put lemon in our tea. So there is a way to put lemon in your tea, even though you should not be squeezing juice from a lemon into another. It's liquid into a liquid that would not be permit, permitted. But um, but here's how you would do it: you can you are allowed to squeeze the lemon juice onto a solid. So what you do is you take a spoonful of sugar and you squeeze your juice your lemon juice into the sugar that becomes part of the sugar and then you can take that and put it into your tea but Samuel doesn't that doesn't that mess with the dissolving thing are you allowed to dissolve stuff like that I, I thought we had another one Josh would you um, yeah, another one? you're talking about making the thin mixture yeah yeah it's, it's not it's not considered a thin mixture uh, such an abundance of sugar just uh adding the flavor to the remember you, you can add juice to something as long as it's either um, as long as it's either uh, adding flavor to it or being absorbed by the, the solid that you're putting it onto okay. so how about can I put it onto honey uh, again that would be a liquid onto a liquid so I would say no there is such a thing as crystallized honey that I've seen. You know, they sell it like a crystal form. Yeah. And in that case, you could, you wouldn't be able to because it's a solid. Thing. So. Okay. Cool. All right. So, um, so we know that the the following things can't be done on Shabbat because they're considered sechita: squeezing juice from a fruit to drink the juice. Squeezing juice from fruit directly into another liquid, that's prohibited. And then using the liquid that's seeped out on its own from grapes or olives. The, thing that, the things that are permitted are squeezing juice from fruit directly onto a solid food. And then using the liquid that's seeped out on its own from other fruits, other than grapes and olives. So, um, and we're going to just run real quick through absorbed liquids. Um, how are we doing on time here? It's almost 8 o'clock. I mean, you're doing fine. You're okay. almost, you're uh, almost done with Josh, right? Absorbed liquids. Kind of Dude, what, Josh, what did you say? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, what? Did you say something? Yes, you're good. Keep going. Okay, good. Okay. Uh, so we've talked about removing juices that are naturally found inside a fruit, and most instances we were talking about we're not allowed to do that. Now this is uh, similar to removing, and the reason is it's similar to removing to removing an edible item from an 
holistically. Um, now, the, the majority opinion says that provided you're squeezing out the liquid to get rid of it, in other words, to improve the food that you're eating, you're squeezing it out to, to get rid of that liquid, uh, then if you want to keep some for use, that's not, that's not allowed. But uh, an example would be potato pancake has too much oil, so you, you squeeze out you know, the lacquers, and you want to squeeze out some of the oil you know, during Hanukkah. Um, or uh, a pickle that has too much brine in it, you want to get rid of some of that, um, you, you can do that, um, but it's, you're not doing it to save the liquid or save the oil, you're doing it to improve the taste of the food, and that, that that's permitted because you're, you're going to eat it then. Now, not only foods, we're going to get into uh, liquids that absorb in fabrics, so um, are we allowed to squeeze liquid that's in a fabric? Now, you know, it might seem like a strange application, you know, because it's not food, and we're, we've been talking about food all this time. And, you know, wheat is a food, and so what, what are we talking about? Removing something edible from something inedible, and, you know, fabrics, none, none of it is edible. So what do we, you know, what does that have to do with anything? Well, so now if we're talking about a natural fabric like cotton or wool, then these are from the ground and taking water uh, out of it is no different than taking juice out of a fruit. What, what, the, you know, huh. what the rabbis say. So if you're, if you're using a dish rag to, if you're using a dish rag to soak up the water that spilled on the table, you can't wring it out. So a linen tablecloth on which a, a drink is spilled, a sponge, a baby wipe, those are things that we would not be allowed. Um, and they even huh. extend it to synthetic fabrics, uh, believe it or not. So, um, so um, now, the halaha makes a, distinguish, uh, a distinction between liquids that are absorbed in foods and those that are absorbed in fabrics. So... For foods, the liquid uh, is seen as becoming part of the food through the cooking or pickling uh, process. But with fabrics, the liquid retains its identity as a liquid. You know, it's still the liquid, uh, separate from the fabric that it, you know that absorbed it. So this means that separating one item from the other would be considered an act of gefadik. Remember what I said, gefadik, where you're removing, you know, uh, a liquid from the solid. Um, so the Halakha points out that absorbing liquid is a natural function of the fabric. So we consider that fabric to be like a fruit, which naturally contains juice. So mm. we're not allowed to squeeze, absorb moisture out of a fabric so that we avoid sechita. Um, let's talk about some practical applications. Um, spon using sponges, you know, on, uh, we, we put away. We put away our. It's eight o'clock. <laughs> we put away our sponges, uh, you know, before Friday night uh, from our sink, and, I, I, and um, that that's the sponge becomes saturated with water from the moment it gets wet. So it's it's almost impossible to use a wet sponge without squeezing some liquid. So we don't use sponges to wash dishes on Shabbat. So what's the alternative? One that works real well 
you yes. use it to, to wash something. I don't know if you guys can see my hand. Yeah. But, you know, to scrub something with it. Um, so the water doesn't get trapped in the mesh ever. It, it, it's so loose that the water can escape easily by itself without being squeezed out. So that was, um, the, that was the universal sign for scrubbing? Got yeah, it. got it. Okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, another alternative would be just to wash the dishes using your hands with or without gloves. Manly man style. So, if we need to wipe up a spill on the table or the floor, um, you could use a sponge that has a handle or a plastic backing, uh, but it's not inevitable that you'll squeeze water out of it. So, so uh, you know, it, it, it is. Uh, it is in that case uh, permitted. Uh, uh, it is not in that. Yeah, right. Okay, so wringing, uh, wringing a cloth out. Um, we talked about that because again, you got the water inside the, the sponge uh, or the, the cloth. You have water that's soaked up. So uh, if something spills, you, you can use a dry rag or a washcloth to wipe it up. You just can't wring out the liquid. So you just would have a bucket or something once you, you know, wring. Uh, wipe it up, you just take that, dump it into a bucket so you, later on after Havdalah you can go and wring it out and throw it in the washing machine or whatever. So, uh, so, uh, so you can know, one, once a towel or, or washcloth becomes totally saturated, you would no longer touch it because even the pressure of your fingertips uh, inevitably squeezes out some of the liquid. Uh, one that we might want to talk about here is uh, baby wipes. Some some of you guys are still using baby wipes. That's for your children, not for <laughs> <laughs> Some of you may use it for yourself. I don't know. But uh, when you're diapering a baby, uh, you know you would you would think that there would be a, 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 a leniency for that. Uh, there are there are uh, some authorities that permit it. Uh, many say no that you should not use. Uh, baby wipes because you could squeeze out, but others, others do permit it, so that one, they kind of leave some of your, uh, the minhag of your community, so you have a community, say our minhag is that we'll use baby wipes, so, um, shower, wow, that's a baby, uh, yeah. shabbat, uh, you know, because there's a concern for wringing uh, water out of materials like your washcloth or your towel, or even from your hair, um, you know, it, it, it's generally discouraged, it's customary not to take a shower on Shabbat. Um, but some of the rabbis say in the case of great discomfort, you might take a cold shower and uh, use it That'd to dry towels and lard so that you don't squeeze, you know, uh, water out of your hair. So, um, mm-hmm. So, Samuel, if, if there's a uh, spill on the table, I can use the pre-torn paper towel without any concerns because I'm not going to take the fluid out. I'm going to throw that bad boy away, and I'm good. So if I use a cloth, uh, what do you call it, dish rag, mm-hmm. and wipe it all up, and then hang that on the faucet of the sink, and step away from the faucet, I'm Great. good. Great. Right? Yes. Um, 
caution uh, as soon as you, you know, within reason, you realize that the cloth or the paper towel is saturated, then the, you would put it up and not, not handle it anymore. Yeah, I got you're, it. you're done. You know, you don't want to squeeze water on it. Um, brushing teeth is another one. Uh, when you use a toothbrush with very close bristles, as most of us do, um, it, it's, it, there's a possibility of water being suspended between the, the bristles, between the particles. Really? Um, so, um, for, this, for that reason, many people use what's called a Shabbat toothbrush. You can buy those. And uh, it has these rubber bristles that are far apart and allow you to brush your teeth still, you know, without uh, chopping any water toothbrush. So, have any of you heard of that, using a special toothbrush? Yeah, I've heard of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and, and, and that, that would be the reason. It also helps water. prevent from uh, accidental gum bleeding. Yeah, which yeah. Which be a problem for some of us. Yeah, yeah that, that could be also. Slaughter. I didn't think of that. Slaughter. We're talking about bleeding gums. It's okay. You're you're good. That's good. Um, so the, the the uses of uh, Dosh t- uh, touches on the use of snow and ice. So um, it's not really an issue of Dosh, but it's an area that's included. Uh, you know by by rabbinic. Some, some of the sages feel that, that there was a significance between the, the dosh activities and the, the, the uh, act, action of crushing snow and ice. So they enacted a restriction to avoid confusion. So the basic idea is not to crush snow or ice since this releases water. Um, so, uh, hmm. you know, so on Shabbat we shouldn't crush ice inside a drink or chop up ice cream survey uh, to be able to eat it sooner, shake up a frozen liquid to melt the ice inside the container. So the snowball fight is, is out for next Shabbat? Yeah, snowball fights would be out. So what if they're going to walk on Shabbat and it has snowed fresh of the night before? Um, yeah, as long as you're not carrying anything while you're doing it. But you're crushing ice, which is pushing, or you're crushing the snow... At yeah. the same time, right? Yeah, I think that. I mean, I'm not. Uh, I'm not a, a, a rabbi, so I think on that one, I'd have to say uh, consult your local Orthodox rabbi. <laughs> but it sounds. Good it answer. sounds very similar to um, the issue where, if you, like, you're allowed to walk in certain areas, if it might release moisture. Because it's not your intent. Right. Your intent is so far from crushing the ice, you're simply walking on it because you have to. Right. Mm. Therefore, it 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 is okay. Um, like I think if you if there's like a dampness in the ground, you can walk on it, even though that would technically like stain your feet or something. You know, like it's encouraged to avoid it, but if you can't avoid it, then I think it's. Right. Yeah. I what I remember. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we actually. Clever. Yeah. Uh, we. We can walk on snow or ice uh, because it's almost impossible to avoid, uh, you know, going about normal life on Shabbat. So, it, actually, I forgot about that. It is, it is considered permissible uh, because because it's a normal activity of 
And then, uh, you know, we, one of the things you want to do when you have ice uh, on your sidewalk is spread out salt or sand. Um, and uh, that, of course, would melt the snow or help people avoid falling. So putting out salt is fine, even though the snow is going to wind up melting. Uh, the melting is, you know, indirect. So um, there's different opinions about sand. Sand is, does, uh, doesn't eventually dissolve, so uh, some uh, do not allow that putting sand is okay, but uh, but putting salt out is, is uh, okay. So um, let's move on from this to uh, the uh, uh, winnowing. Uh, it's the Hebrew word zoveh. Uh, uh, literally, winnowing is. Uh, it's a further separation of the wheat kernel from inedible parts of the plant. So uh, to winnow, a person would toss, you know, they would toss, they would take a pitchfork or whatever instrument, they would toss the thresh, the, the wheat that's already been threshed and the chaff has already been cracked and either has come off or is coming off and they throw it into the air and then the lighter, unusable part, the chaff would get blown off by the, by the wind. So. Uh, this is the, the first of three metaphors that deal with separating the parts of a mixture. Uh, so uh, the other two, Bore uh, and Medaked, I'm only going to be touching on Medaked, but uh, the, uh, even in the, back in the uh, Talmud, the sages wondered why we had uh, the three labor categories that deal with it exactly. You know, essentially, it's the same activity, but one of the answers that they came up with is that all of these, uh, all of these lead to similar results. Separating, separating is accomplished three different ways. So, the zore involves separating through wind or power, air, air power. You know, it has to be some type of air power or wind. So, when I'm talking about zore or winnowing here. This is, totally has to do with wind or air power separating it. The bore, which is another topic I'm not going to be talking about, is you know, well separated by hand, and then or sorting, and uh, and then medaked involves separating it uh, via like a strainer, and I, I will be talking about that. Uh, so, because uh, 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 you know, we shouldn't we shouldn't be winnowing. If any of us have a farm, one of you mentioned the we're on farm dense threshing uh, on Shabbat, it would not be permissible to to, to winnow it. Um, so there's very few uh, actual examples of things that are derived from this, but some of them would be things like uh, blowing seeds off a dandelion or throwing confetti into the air on Shabbat. Um, we only do that with red children. Yeah, yeah. How about uh, this happens to us? We always use a tablecloth on and if Shabbat, put down a very nice tablecloth, and we always get all the crumbs from the challah in there. Um, you know, what uh, we're, we, we'd love to do is, you know, during the next morning or whatever, we're getting ready for breakfast, we'd like to take that tablecloth outside and shake it, you know, and get rid of the, well, the, 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 the problem there is not the shaking uh, and the crumbs.
shaking dust from a blanket or some of the things like that should be included also. Um, now, you would think that using an aerosol spray would be included in that too because um, you're basically using some type of air to push solids out of a can, you know, spray can like paint or liquid out of the can. But uh, what they found is that the aerosols work by using pressure, not air, to actually push the stuff out. So it, it, that, that would be acceptable. Um, uh, so your cheese so, whip or whatever is okay. Cheese whip? Yeah. yeah. Cheese whip. It's okay to use a spray can, yes. Yes, it would be. The cool uh, So like uh, an example would be uh, if you want to spray some olive oil onto something. Yeah. Uh, that would be permissible because uh, yep. you know you're, you're not going to be windowing. It's it's uh, it's pressure it's, that is pushing it's, it's the it's olive oil out of the uh, yeah, can. Frying pan, can't use. Got it. <laughs> Question? You could be making an olive oil and a, uh, <laughs> a olive oil with uh, lemon juice. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Peanut butter. Okay. Now, now, uh, what if what if there's no wind? Would it be permissible to do the activities we're discussing? Uh, if there was no wind, no. Uh, no. The Halakha says that we should avoid these activities, even if at that moment there's no wind or even a, a very light wind, since wind is unpredictable. So you don't know when a strong wind could come along. Uh, that that's what happened to me. I used to have a head. Full of hair, and then all of a sudden, a very strong wind came along. Thankfully, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was not Shabbat, so I wasn't winning, and I lost my hair. Thank you. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so Friday night, you have the meal. The challah crumbs are everywhere. So the answer is use that little scraper deal. That's right. Be like a baby. Right. That's it. Yeah. And scrape them up. Don't pick up the tablecloth. Go outside on the porch and get the crumbs all over the, the patio. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing that I would think you could do. Um, Vacuum. This is my own personal opinion: is that you could take the tablecloth and uh, carefully just allow the um, crumbs to fall off the tablecloth into a into a wastebasket in the kitchen. You know, if you wanted to do that. As long as you're not shaking it up and down, creating wind. You know, there shouldn't be any wind in the kitchen if you have wind in your kitchen. I uh, you want to get that checked out. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, that's about wind. Um, so, um, now we're going to talk about the last one, Medikid. Um, Medikid has to do with sifting. Do you, using a device for sifting like a strainer or a colander so um, we're, so through sifting items are, that were mixed together are isolated from each other so a classic example from the Mishkan is flour for making
be soil or pebbles, you know, that they wanted to remove. So uh, the, this act of Medicaid uh, serves to improve the original mixture. So, uh, so the end product then is more appealing than the original. So to the person that's doing the separating. So it, it, it would be a melacha, you know, a melacha, it would be not permitted. Um, there's really few examples of this, but the ones that are that, that we can think of here, one, one would be strainers or colanders. So a person might want to use a, a strainer to drain water for cooking pasta or vegetables, but, you know, as you know, we don't cook on Shabbat anyway. We prepare the night before, the day before, whatever, for the food, so... Uh, we wouldn't be doing that anyway, but if, if for some reason you had a reason to drain water from cooked pasta or vegetables, um, you know, let's say you cooked uh, the pasta on Friday afternoon, didn't have a chance to drain it before you're lighting your Shabbat candles, uh, could you drain the liquid out of the Shabbat? Um, that would be a textbook case of, of Medicaid. You, yeah, but you have a pot of concrete. You're using a utensil to separate the two items. That would be the water and the food. What did you say, Joseph? Uh, the first one was a joke, but this one is real. So, <laughs> if if I'm pouring, if I put tea, my dad used to put tea, tea, tea leaves in the in the in the tea strainer, and he would yeah. sit that on top of his teacup, and he would pour the hot water over the tea leaves. So I'm hearing. Besides the fact that we're going into one container and a three containers and what what did you do with that pot fleshy pot it's clean not pot right yeah so besides the fact that I've got not enough containers that that wouldn't do right right well here's the here's the problem some kettles some tea kettles uh, have a strainer on the on the spout, uh, it's a filtering unit that's on the spout, and if you made the tea before Shabbat, uh, you, you, you're using tea leaves and as compared to using tea bags, then the leaves uh, would remain in the kettle, uh, usually at the bottom. Now, when you pour the tea out, the tea, the leaves, you know, they stay on the bottom, uh, so uh, no filtering or straining would happen there. So it makes it okay to use the kettle, but you shouldn't pour out all of the tea since by the time you get to the you know to the bottom the, the tea leaves that they're broken up would uh, be blocked by the spout and then that would be considered yes. So if I don't have one of those magic tea kettles and I'm pouring yeah. into a strainer, that's just like a, a non starter, right? Right. Yeah. So you can you could use a uh, you know, a, a tea, like you could use a kettle that doesn't have a strainer on its end, and uh, just make sure that you, uh, of slow. course, you wouldn't want to pour it all, all the way until you're almost out, because then you start to get leaves. But uh, you, you could pour the, 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 the mixture that's on top, you could do that. Uh, so so a, a tea bag is not a uh, pseudo strainer? No, no. In that case, because as you know, we, we can use uh, we can use tea bags if we use it like like you were talking about before, uh, where you uh, use use two you know two cups, you know 
it's a limit. It's not being used to separate items. You're, you're just trying to prevent dumping, you know, a mound of salt onto your, onto your food. So you, you can use a salt shaker. Uh, but what about some people put rice grains in their, in their salt shaker uh, to absorb the humidity? Uh, you know, even though the shaker is still, it's functioning like a strainer, to, you know, to allow the salt while keeping the rice in, um, most you know rabbis say that it's fine because it's not devised. The device, the salt shaker is not devised to strain rice, so that's not its intent. The salt is being shaken out for immediate use. Um, another one is uh, uh, filter, filtering liquids. So like. Uh, for example, wines. Uh, some wines have uh, grape sediment at the bottom of the wines, and you can't filter the wine through a cloth or strainer to remove those sediments. Um, so you, you can't. You, you're not allowed to do that. Um, so decanter. Decant before Shabbat. What about filtering your own water? Exactly. You should do that. Anything like that. Grape juice that might have sediment or wine. I know sediment, you want to, you know, do that before Shabbat. What about filtered water? So, like, I have attachment on my sink, and I flip the switch, yeah. and the water comes out filtered. So, would that be the same thing, because it runs through a carbon filter? Would yeah. that be permitted? The, 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 way, the way that that is determined, and there's a whole section about that, you can read about it later, but I'll, I'll just, you know, summarize it for you. Basically, if... If your water that comes out of your tap unfiltered, if you would never drink that, if that is not potable water, or, you know, it's it's a water that you have. Would you had never water from Charlotte before? <laughs> it's filled with goat dung. <laughs> yeah, if, if you could never, like, if you can't go to your kitchen right now, take a glass of tap water and drink it, and you'll be okay. Then that, then using a filter on your sink. So you're saying health, not not that I never would, but health-wise, that's the separation. Yeah, that's the separation. Like like we have a filter on on our sink. We don't drink the water from the tap, but could I? Yes, I I I, I have in a pinch. Like I'm upstairs and there's no filter. I'm, I'm in my bathroom, ready to go to bed, and I'm still a little thirsty. I might drink a little bit of water from the tap. You know. Uh, 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 that's a rare occasion that I do something like that, but I can. You know, uh, uh, it's not going to kill me. I, I don't like it. I, I'd rather not, but it's not going to kill me. So that, you know, in that case, you're not separating something that's totally unusable from something that's usable. But in so, that case, you would also, it would behoove you to just fill up some jugs like we do on Shabbat. And you've already got it pre-filtered. So that's preparation. Preparation. So no, I think it's just because it's, just because because it's usable either way. No, he's saying okay. because it's usable, he can't, right? No, because you're no, not filtering the something that's unusable. So yeah, just to restate it, yeah, you were saying the back if the water is undrinkable, then you can't filter it on Shabbat, right? You can filter it. If it's undrinkable, then you can't. Yeah, you cannot. Yeah, you're separating. It's opposite. Yeah. Wow. So it's not it's because okay. it's usable. You can do it. You can do it because right. so say, you're say only filtering it because you want to. Water is not properly filtered. Yeah. 
sort of you know, it's not certain. cleansed before it reaches your house. Uh, Definitely not working A city after a major storm, a, de- a developing country. So if you if you would never drink this water unfiltered, then the sink filter actually accomplishes something, and therefore right. use it on Shabbat. Uh, okay, so, so I'm okay as long as it's usable. It's because okay. we can drink the water, we just don't like it. Right, right. right. That's what okay. I'm saying okay. about the bathroom. Well, now how does a decanter work then? It's the same idea because you would you can drink that sediment. No. You won't be happy. Don't do it. <laughs> no. Do it all the time. Don't do it. Come on. No, I mean, very, very. Finish off the glass? No, that's right. Yeah. I don't like to chew my wine. Yeah, really. Is that sediment on your tooth over there? Yeah. Okay, we're good. <laughs> yep, so that, that, uh, then non, non-foods, uh, it, it also, again, can apply to things that are non-foods, like Sam is, uh, talking about chil- children playing in the sandboxes on Shabbat, uh, as long as the, the sand was designated for that use prior to Shabbat, um, so the, ch- chil- the children should not use a sifting toy, you know, for example, because they're likely to turn out wrong, and things like that. So, you know, it's good. We're teaching our children as, as, as we're doing this. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, there, there are leniencies for children. If, if a child, like, you know, the turning the lights on, if they turn out on the light, turn off, we don't want to jump on them and, you know, uh, jump down their throat because they Talk turn the light on. Talking about burning in darkness, but, but you, but the rest, you'll burn in darkness. But, uh, but, you know, we can start teaching them. So if they want to play in a sandbox, you know, we can show them that, hey, you know, you, you can play with the sand, but we're not going to uh, use a sifting toy here. And this is why. It's a good, it's a teachable moment. And sandcastles would be inappropriate as well. Well, that, that might get into building things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, that is that, if anybody has any questions, at 828, I, I think we'll cut it there. I am I am flabbergasted that you got through what's that seven hundred and eighty pages of, of stuff, man. That's <laughs> unbelievable, well, and it made sense. It, you'll see that I, I, I pretty much covered just about everything on there. Yeah. So, um, you know, so yeah. Questions? Very good. I like all the examples. <laughs> Well done. I think next time you teach, you need to be here. Or at least we got to put him a jacket on. Yeah. That's right, yeah. Next time we'll put a tie on you, too. All right, so, um, Sam, uh, Samuel. Next time, can you give a little bit more substance to my arms? <laughs> yeah, you seem a little droopy there, buddy. I know what's up with that. All right, so. <laughs> so bear with me now. Uh, I want them to. Uh, Collate these since it's not your pot, and uh, think about questions for you. So stand by. Would you make sure. fifteen piles on the floor, face down, with those? Okay. Set the set the trend. Don't bump into this and make that thing fall over. <laughs> by the way, you guys, if you're interested, in fifteen piles. Taking, um, not on these piles. On the floor. Go with Ice.com. Is it ice or is it H? I, 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 I think it's H. 15. Face down. Right. How do you want to do this? Carefully. And normally the 
15 cost. Fifteen copies. Uh, they, they give you a link. Yeah. And right on the floor. Fifteen copies upside down. Fifteen copies. Yep, right here. So, right, you're right. impressive. Right. You're you picked a good time to be hey. sick. Sit, relax. Well, I was gonna wash my hands. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Man. If you're gonna, you gonna ask me to help, I want to have my hands. Yeah, that's before. good. That's good. All right, so they are, <laughs> they are actually preparing the handouts for the classes. Samuel, well done. I'm. Uh, Thank you very much. I'm thrilled. Yeah, good job. And. Um, so let me uh, summarize with and for Samuel. We have uh, we have now covered, as far as I can tell, 38 of the 39 Melachot. And uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Yeah, good job. Um, so um, next week I will close up with grinding. And then... Uh, we will begin our conversation about is this a burden? Is this what Peter was talking about that uh, in Acts, I believe, Acts chapter 15, neither we nor our fathers could bear. Is this what was being talked about? Can I be a troublemaker? Can we turn the fan off, actually? Yeah, yeah I think... Uh, I think for sure we would... Uh, at least I'd like to hope we would all agree that while these are these are different um, than what we may be doing right now, to me, none of them really seem like a burden. I may not know them all, I may inadvertently shoot myself in the foot, but they don't seem to be odd or, or burdensome. I'm reminded, and, uh, and keep using as my example, when we were short of chairs one Shabbat, and I had made it clear that there were chairs in my van, and Rick Spurlock jumped up and said, follow me, men! And three guys followed him in there and grabbed those chairs and carried them in. I'm thinking to myself, you're working on the Sabbath. You're, you're carrying. You're schlepping. This is no good. Plus setting up and tearing down chairs. Right. But it's not true. None of that is true. It's not a violation in any means. It was all within the same domain. Absolutely. You can carry a, a piano upstairs. However, however, the reason I jumped up is that no one else would wonder if it was permitted. And there you go. And as a, man, as a means of my conscience wasn't bothered by it, so exactly. I will make sure that I will step up service. Yeah. So it was a great example, and and it met the standard of what we were looking at. So I'm feeling pretty good about that, and it makes me want to, for example, take a walk on the Sabbath and be careful about what I have in my pockets. So I wonder, and maybe I missed the class where we discussed this, um, but from what I gathered reading. Book. 
this was done to prevent God's people from uh, working on Mishkan on, on the Sabbath? Correct. So they were told before and after they were told about the Mishkan, they were told about the Sabbath. Right. They were reminded. So would it be incorrect to assume that these were put in place for purposes of not working on Mishkan and that they no. are not all applicable today? Not not entirely, not entirely correct, but some of them are that way, yes. Yeah. I mean, the, the bottom line, the basic thing was, we're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. Sure. What the heck does that mean? Actually, right. actually, there's not a 39 dollar quote. You guys need to look your fingers over. No, yeah, we've got a lot more than that, and it's no, a 39. It's 40. Look those fingers. What's the 40th? Hey, Isaac shows up sick next week. The 40th is one. It's because he's licking his little fingers. And it's the only one that matters. You're not going to find that in this kind of rook. You'll find that in the Talbot. Shabbat, 6B. And what does it say? It says there's only one. So the 39 are consumed in one. Don't carry anything. So obviously there's disagreement. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we can do. There's another. There's another point too that, uh, that those of us who have children uh, think of. Uh, you know, every day we say the Shema, and which includes all the verses about teaching us, you know, to our children and children and children's children, and uh, the, doing 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 these. Uh, Uh, our children notice it. They, they are watching us, literally teaching us about the Messianic uh, days, about the, uh, you know, the Kulam Habak. There is being lived out, portrayed, you know, for them every Shabbat. So my children, uh, I'm noticing, they, they expect that life is going to be very different on Shabbat than it is the rest of Amen. Praise God for that. And it, and it, and it, to dovetail with that, with regard to children, I think it's also very important that you teach children the 39 Malakot, but you teach them that they are not in the Torah. Right. Because otherwise, when it becomes indistinct, then we are adding to what God is saying. That's right. And we're, Regardless of whether it's a, a good thing or not, that's a problem. you say exactly. this, is, this, is what the, this is the way the Shabbat looks because God commanded it, that's not true. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, and, and I think that's, that's one of the reasons we wanted to go over this, was to say, we're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. What does that mean? The sages noticed in the Torah that when they were commanded to build a Mishkan, before he told them what to do, and after he told them what to do, he reminded them, you have to keep the Sabbath. So, they said, okay... Well, then the work that's contained within those two bookends must be what he meant by keeping it holy. So, there we go. Because I agree with that. And I just want to cause a conversation. But um, there are many things in there that I fully agree that we should not be doing on the Sabbath. We should not be gathering, we should not be harvesting from our plants. One cool thing I learned is that you could grab a tomato off. Absolutely. And cut it up. Yeah. But... 
Um, there are certain things that I personally um, am just not there yet, but um, maybe it'll change my mind tomorrow night or next week. But or or know. maybe, Johnny, do you have them? Yeah, you do. Good. Um, or maybe we'll just decide. Uh, each man will decide what he's going to do, and you know, do some of them. Some sure. might want to do them all. I think Samuel has been on this track um, for longer than many of us uh, in in learning enough about them so that he can teach his children. Sure, you know. So there you go. All right. The men have uh, collated your uh, papers, gentlemen. Please. Uh, Please get uh, get a copy of that, guys, ladies, gentlemen. Time to pray. Let's at least finish. Okay, so oh, Judah's still in the midst. He's very good. Doing good. All right, hang. Here we go. Samuel, well done. Thank you so much. Thank you. May you taste of the sweetness of the world to come in this life. May you see your children's children come to faith. May your end be with the life of the world to come, and your deeds affect the hope of many generations. May your heart ponder and achieve understanding of Torah. May your mouth speak wisdom to everyone you meet. And may your tongue bring forth song as you praise the Holy One, blessed is He. May you have the self-control to look straight before you. I'm trying to do that when I'm driving now. And may your eyes be enlightened by the light of Torah. And may your face shine like the brightness of the sky. May your lips utter knowledge, your heart rejoice in righteousness, and your feet run to hear the words of the Ancient of Days. Amen. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank Samuel, you. well thank done. You. Thanks, Samuel. Thank you. Come down, everybody.